If you like what you hear on this episode, you're going to want to come check out my new podcast called the Unfuck Your Brain Podcast. What you're listening to right now, The Lawyer's Stress Solution, has ceased production of new episodes. But Unfuck Your Brain is rocking and rolling. Every week, I release a new episode of the Unfuck Your Brain podcast, teaching you the same great tools for taming your brain, but with even more applications to other areas of your life. You can search for it by name. Remember, there's an asterisk instead of the U in unfuck because we like to be polite. Or just click the link to it in the podcast description for this show. I'll see you over there. You're listening to The Lawyer Stress Solution, the only podcast that teaches you cognitive science-based techniques specifically created for lawyers. Learn how to manage your lawyer brain and conquer the stress, anxiety, and overwhelm of lawyer life. Here's your host, former lawyer and certified master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hi, lawyers, and welcome to the second episode of this podcast, all about how to relieve anxiety immediately. I was thinking about this all day yesterday because I saw a friend and former client who was in town from where she lives in the Midwest. And the last time that I had coached her, she was working at a job where she had a lot of anxiety and stress. That was probably about a year ago. And then yesterday we got to hang out and sit in the sun in Central Park and watch her kids play. And she told me all about this incredibly exciting new venture she was doing, a nonprofit she was starting. It was just such a contrast to what her life used to be like and how much anxiety and stress she used to experience in her job. So it was wonderful just to see her and catch up, but it's also always amazing to see how much change can happen even in a small amount of time and how much the sort of awareness and anxiety coping tools that coaching offers can really make a big difference in someone's life. So that was super fun. So I felt like that meant today I should talk to y'all about anxiety, which is one of the major complaints that I get from almost every lawyer client who comes to me, which I completely understand because I used to be super anxious all the time. And in fact, what I've realized now, having used these coaching tools on myself for several years, is that When I was practicing and didn't have these tools, I was actually anxious basically literally all the time. I didn't even realize that my default emotional state was a sort of low-level anxiety, always thinking and feeling like I should be doing something different than what I was doing, that I had so much work waiting for me, that I always should be working, that something was always about to go wrong. And I would have big spikes of anxiety when something in particular happened, But actually, my sort of default state was really like a low thrumming anxiety. And I see that a lot with my clients also, that sometimes they don't even realize that what they take to be normal, like their baseline, is actually pretty anxious already. And then you're layering kind of intense anxiety episodes on top of that. So dealing with anxiety is a really, really important part of learning how to deal with lawyer stress. So today I want to talk to you about two different levels of working with anxiety. And each of these are really great on their own, and they're useful tools to use, and you can totally use just one and not the other, either way. 
But if you use them together in the sequence that I'm going to teach you in this episode, they're even more powerful, sort of exponentially so. So the first level of dealing with anxiety is the immediate feeling you're having, the actual anxious feeling, the sensation in your body. The second is dealing with the thoughts that are causing that feeling. Remember, in this coaching methodology that I use, your thoughts are what cause your feelings. We're going to talk about this more in probably every episode. But when you are feeling anxious, it's because of something that you are thinking about your circumstances, about what's happening in the world or what someone said to you or an email you got or what might happen or whatever that external trigger is, you have a thought about it and that causes your feeling. Now, most of the time, especially when you're starting out trying to do this kind of work on yourself, you sort of come to, you realize that you're anxious in the middle of the feeling. The feeling is already full blown, right, when it happens. So that's why we deal with the feeling first. Then once the feeling has been reduced a little bit to more manageable levels, then we can deal with the thought behind it. So let's start with the physical sensation of anxiety, right? The actual sensations in your body that you feel when you're anxious. For a lot of people, these involve things like racing heart, right? A tightness in the chest. You may feel the blood pounding in your ears, which is you know another symptom of your heart pounding, your pulse quickening. You may find it difficult to breathe or difficult to breathe deeply, like you're breathing shallowly or faster. Some people get kind of sweaty or clammy hands. Some people get a sort of nauseous feeling in the stomach. Some people get a little bit of twitching or quivering of the hands. All of these, you know, some, all, some combination of those things, those are kind of the physical symptoms of anxiety for most people. Now, if you listen to the first episode, we talked at length about how anxiety is produced just by a release of hormones in your body, right? Your body releases cortisol and adrenaline, and those are among the hormones that cause the stress-anxiety response, right? That's what causes the physical sensations. So when your body is feeling those physical sensations, your brain starts to freak out, right? Because if you think about it, Your brain evolved, right, we're talking about your primitive brain here, the limbic system in your brain, the oldest part of your brain, which governs the fear and flight response. Your brain sees that anxiety starting to build, starts to sense it, and it freaks out, right, because it's used to that anxiety, meaning something is going to kill and eat you, (laughs) right? That's how it evolved. This is the part of our brain that is not unique to humans, that we share with all animals, right? And so those animals evolved over billions of years to try to avoid getting eaten. So that part of the brain, that's basically what it's concerned with, keeping you from being eaten. So when you start to feel anxiety because a partner sent you an email about a brief you did, your brain can't differ. That part of your brain can't differentiate that from you're going to be eaten. (laughs) So the minute that you start to feel anxious, your brain starts to freak out and it wants you to run away at all costs or freeze, right? Those are the two options. It's flight or fright, freeze, or run. So your brain basically thinks that like the house is burning down, right? That's the level of kind of hysteria that your brain can get into. So the first step in calming down is to reassure your brain and your body that you are safe. You need to use the prefrontal cortex part of your brain, the newly evolved part of your brain that can do kind of rationality and language and can observe itself, right? Observe its own thoughts. We got to use that part of of the brain to calm down the freaking out limbic part of the brain. 
And so here's the tool that I want to teach you to use when you're feeling anxious. And I'm going to explain a few reasons to use it. I call this a body scan. If you have done meditation, you may have learned a body scan and it, it has some similarities, but it's a little bit different. In a meditation body scan, you pay attention to each part of the body sequentially and just sort of notice how the body's feeling. In this form of a body scan, what we're doing is we are going to notice what the body is feeling. So you do check in with your body, see what's happening in it. You're looking in this exercise for physical sensations. So you're not just saying to yourself, oh, I feel anxious. Because the second part of this exercise is you describe the sensation in your body as if you were describing it to an alien who didn't know what feelings were. (laughs) Okay. So if an alien landed on earth and they didn't know what feelings were, right? They didn't have emotions, but they did have physical sensations. You could describe any emotion to them in physical sensation terms. This is not usually how we think about emotions, but it's an incredibly useful framework for doing so and will really help to alleviate your anxiety. So if an alien came to earth, you wouldn't say, I feel anxious. You would say, my heart is racing, I'm taking shallower breaths, and my face feels hot. And so for this exercise, what I want you to do the next time you're feeling anxious is I want you to check in with your body, see what you're feeling physically, and describe it as a physical sensation. Now, there are a few reasons to do this. Number one, it distracts your brain from whatever thought is causing the anxiety, which we're going to get into in a minute more specifically. But let's just say that the thought is, oh God, I screwed up on that negotiation. I should have done that better. Your brain will be stuck in a loop thinking that thought over and over again, which is why you're getting so anxious. And then, you know, if you're a lawyer, you're probably catastrophizing. Your brain is also thinking a series of terrible things that will happen, ending with you defaulting on your mortgage and being homeless, right? Because that's where lawyer brains like to go. Always the worst case scenario. So your brain is on a loop thinking those thoughts. Describing the physical sensation to yourself gives your brain something else to do, right? Your brain needs a task. It needs a project. It needs something to do. Telling it just to calm down does not work. But if you give your brain a different task to do, like describe the physical sensations in your body, then that's what your brain will do. So the first way it works is it distracts your brain from thinking that anxious thought over and over again. The second thing is it reassures your brain that you're not going to die, right? When you are telling yourself that you feel anxious and terrible things are going to happen, your brain starts to panic and freak out and thinks you're going to die. By repeating the physical sensations to yourself, you start to calm yourself down because you make clear to your own brain that the stakes are lower. You're not dying. You're not about to be eaten. The house is not on fire. You just feel tightness in the chest and your heart is racing a little bit and it's a little hard to breathe deeply, right? I'm taking shallow breaths. My chest is tight. My hands feel clammy. Whatever it is, it's just a list of physical sensations and that really takes the sort of edge off and takes down the urgency. The problem with using emotion words to describe it, right? This exercise does not work if what you say to yourself over and over again is, I'm anxious, I'm anxious, I'm anxious, <laughs> right? That would totally negate the purpose of the exercise. In fact, what happens when someone has a panic attack, for instance, is that they start to feel anxious and then they start thinking, oh God, I'm feeling anxious. When I feel anxious, sometimes I have panic attacks. I don't want to have a panic attack. And then they have a panic attack right? They've brought the panic attack into being by freaking out about the initial symptoms of anxiety. So that's why this exercise has you describe the feeling in physical sensation terms. 
because the names for emotions are really loaded for us, right? We have stories about what these emotions mean. We've had them before. We think they're intolerable. Sometimes we have stories about what they mean about us as a person. Like, oh, I'm an angry person. I'm always going to be angry. Oh, God, I get angry so easily. I can't control my anger. If you're someone who has that story about yourself, then whenever your brain identifies anger in your body as an emotion, it's going to kick off that story and it's not going to make things better at all. But if you describe the emotion as just a series of physical sensations in your body, it short circuits whatever kind of emotional reaction you have to the word itself that describes the initial feeling you're having. So that's another reason to do this sort of body scan exercise and describe it as a physical sensation. So number one is it distracts your brain from thinking that anxious thought it was having. Number two is it sort of reduces the threat level in your brain right? It takes the edge off, takes the urgency down, turns the like emergency meter down because it's really just a physical sensation in your body now that your brain is thinking about, not how you're going to die. And three, it avoids the additional emotional complications of naming the emotion with a name like anger or anxiety or whatever, which might have even more baggage for you. So that's the body scan. So to sum up, what you do is when you are feeling anxious, I want you to Check in with your body and describe the feeling in terms of physical sensations that you could explain to an alien who didn't have feelings and didn't know what any feeling words meant, but who could understand physical sensations. And sometimes you'll have to repeat it to yourself a couple of times. So if the feeling, if the anxiety keeps going, then you can simply repeat to yourself over and over the physical description that you have come up with. And sometimes once will help relieve the anxiety, and sometimes it takes 10 times, and sometimes you got to do it for five minutes. But however long you need to do it, it's still a way better use of time than just continuing to think all the thoughts that are causing the anxiety over and over. One thing I want to really caution you about is it's really easy when we're in the grip of anxiety, especially when it has to do with work stress and pressure and we feel like we need to respond quickly, to think, oh, I don't have time to deal with this, right? I don't have time to stop and check in with my body. I don't have time to describe my feelings because we think that we need to act urgently to get out of the feeling of anxiety. That's why we want to hurry up and solve it by rewriting the brief or responding to the partner or doing whatever else, is we want to feel like we're taking action to resolve the problem to get out of the anxiety that we're feeling. So when you try to act from a really agitated, anxious place, you're actually much less effective. If you can stop, invest the five minutes in doing this exercise, it will actually save you so much time down the road. Okay, so that's the physical level of anxiety that I talked about, that first level that you need to deal with. Now, the second level is the thoughts that are actually causing the anxiety. And that's what I want to talk to you about now. Once you've calmed your body down a little, you can check in with your thoughts. Now, remember, your thoughts cause your feelings. I say that like it's obvious. I know that's an entirely new concept to many of you. We are not taught this. We are taught that external circumstances cause our feelings all the time, right? You hurt that person's feelings. That traffic made you angry. The way your boss talked to you made you stressed out. That's how we're taught to think about feelings, that external circumstances are what produce them. But actually, our thoughts produce our feelings. Whenever there's an external circumstance or trigger, there is always a thought that happens after it that produces your feeling. And there are a couple of simple methods of proof for this. The first one is, if something happens that you might have a feeling about if you knew about it, but you don't know about it, then it doesn't produce a feeling right? If your boss wrote you an angry email about a mistake you made and you never saw it, let's say the email server ate it and you never noticed the mistake, 
you would have no thoughts or feelings about it. You would feel fine. It's not the existence of the mistake or even the existence of the partner's email that makes you anxious or upset or angry. It's your thought that happens when you read the email or learn about the mistake. Similarly, we know that an event can happen and two different people will have two totally different opinions about it and two totally different feelings about it, right? That's because their thoughts are different, right? So let's say when you break up with somebody, right, they may feel great about the breakup and you may feel terrible about it or vice versa because the breakup itself doesn't cause the feeling. It's your personal interpretations and opinions and thoughts about it that cause the feeling. So your thoughts are what cause your feelings. That means when you are anxious, you are having a thought that you can learn how to surface, how to locate, how to figure out that is causing your anxiety. Now, this isn't always obvious, right? We feel the anxiety, we're in it, and we just blame whatever the circumstance is. Oh, I'm anxious because the partner in this case is angry at me. I'm anxious because opposing counsel is talking down to me. I'm anxious because I've never argued emotion before, and of course I'm anxious about it right? We say that it's commonplace, but actually in each of those situations, there is a thought that is creating the anxiety for you. So for instance, if you're anxious about arguing emotion because you've never done it before, the reason you're anxious is you have a thought like, I might fail at this. I might look stupid. The partner in this case is going to think I'm not good enough. How will I ever be a good lawyer if I can't even argue emotion? What if the judges ask me something I don't know the answer to and I look stupid? All of those thoughts are what cause the emotion of anxiety. Somebody who's argued a million motions will not have nearly the anxiety you're having, if any. And it's not because of the motion argument itself. It's because their thoughts are something like, I've done this a million times. It's no big deal. I know I'm good at arguing motions. I know I'm capable. I'm a pro at this, right? They have all those thoughts and those thoughts create feelings of confidence and calm for them. Whereas your thoughts about not knowing how to do it and what all the terrible consequences might be are what cause the anxiety for you. Or similarly, if you are having some sort of negative interaction with opposing counsel and they're being really difficult and it's making you really anxious, you think that opposing counsel is making you anxious. If he or she would just act differently, then you could feel better. But in fact, what's happening is that you're having a thought about the consequences of their behavior. Let's take another example. Let's say that you are at a deposition and opposing counsel is being really difficult and, and he or she is objecting to things that they really can't object to and you're starting to feel really anxious. It's not because of their behavior, right? Our instinct is to think, well, I'm feeling worried about this because opposing counsel is being terrible and if they would just stop it, then I could feel better. That's how we're taught to think about things. There's no shame in it and there's nothing wrong with you. That's how we're all taught to think about our feelings and what causes them. But the truth is what's causing your feelings is your thoughts about opposing counsel's behavior, right? They are doing the same behavior and experiencing it, and they're having the same thoughts. And probably your client in the room or their client in the room, whoever else is in the room, are actually seeing and hearing the same behavior but not having necessarily negative thoughts about it because let's say it's your client and they're not a lawyer and they don't know what's going on. They're probably just sitting there thinking like, well, I don't know. The lawyers are going back and forth. That's just part of what happens. They're not feeling anxious either. But you're feeling anxious because your thoughts are things like, I'm going to look like an idiot in front of the partner. They think they can, these opposing counsel think they can take advantage of me. I'm going to screw this up. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they can make this objection. They keep making it. Maybe I'm forgetting something. 
what if I'm screwing up this case? If I screw up this case, how's it going to look at my year-end review, right? And then there you go on the catastrophizing loop towards homelessness, (laughs) where everybody ends up on the catastrophizing loop. So that's another example that shows that what causes your anxiety is not the circumstance, it's your thoughts. So I'm actually going to give you all a real-life example, because I'm recording this podcast on a Sunday afternoon, and I thought it would be a quiet time to record. And in fact, it is like there's a circus happening in my apartment building right now. (laughs) There are children screaming. There have been like 10 to 12 sirens and ambulances and fire trucks have gone by. There's been door slamming. And every time there's a noise, I have to pause and then restart. And as the noises started to go on, I started to feel frustration and anxiety in my body. And so I did the body scan. I checked in with myself. I know what anxiety feels like for me. I've been doing this a long time. And then I checked in with my thoughts. And my thought was, they should just be quiet so I can record my podcast, (laughs) right? (laughs) Which is nonsense. Why should everyone else in the building, much less the emergency vehicles, be quiet so I can record my podcast? That does not make any sense. They have no investment in my podcast. It doesn't matter to them. They're doing their own thing, right? There's absolutely nothing wrong with what they're doing. And in fact, there's not really a big problem here. I just have to pause and restart and pause and restart, right? The only thing that costs me is a little bit of time and probably my podcast editor is going to hate me a little bit. But that's okay, right? Those are not really big deals. But if I continued thinking the thought over and over, they should stop. This is terrible. I can't believe this is taking me so long. I would get so agitated, right? And then my performance would be worse. I would be less able to think about what I wanted to share with all of you. I would be less compelling. I would sound weird and strained and angry, right? All of that would be caused by my thoughts about what should be happening differently, which are just of my own creation and not helping me at all. So noticing that thought for me allowed me to see that I didn't want to keep thinking that thought. That's what noticing what your thoughts are does for you. When you are able to tune in during anxiety and see what thoughts are creating the anxiety, like, oh, no, the partner's mad at me. Oh, no, I think I screwed up. Oh, my God, what if I made a mistake? When you're able to tune in and identify what those thoughts are, I really advise writing them down, actually, on a piece of paper so you can see that those are just sentences that your brain is thinking. They're just thoughts. They're not reality at all. They are literally just sentences in your mind, like a little ticker tape that's going in your brain, and that sentence is passing through the ticker tape, and then it's producing the emotion that you're having. So once you learn how to surface and notice your thoughts, you can start to get a little bit of distance from them, and then your lawyer brain can go right into work and figuring out why you don't have to believe those thoughts and what else you might think. This is something we're going to talk a lot about in a future episode, how to think new thoughts. But the reason that this work is amazing for lawyers is that we are so already trained to always look for alternate possible explanations or outcomes of anything, right? If opposing counsel sends you a letter making a demand or making a claim, you don't just read it and be like, oh, yep, well, that's probably true, (laughs) right? I guess I'll do whatever it says. But that's what you're doing with your brain. You're just believing whatever your brain tells you. As a lawyer, though, you can take those critical thinking skills and you can really critically engage with your thoughts. Do I know that I made a mistake? Would I really get fired if I made a mistake? Have people made mistakes before and not gotten fired? Right? Is it helpful to me to assume that opposing counsel is trying to screw me over right now? Right? If that thought's making me anxious and that anxiety is getting in the way of my performance, do I want to keep believing that? Could I believe something else like, well, opposing counsel is just doing their job? This is just part of doing a deposition. This is what it's like. 
I don't have to have any feelings about their behavior. Their behavior has no relevance to how I do my job, right? Are there other thoughts you could think? So again, we will totally talk about that more in a later episode. But even for now, when you are in that anxiety situation and you figured out what you're thinking that's freaking you out, you can already start to use your lawyer brain and your critical skills to see if you really need to believe that thought or what you might be able to think instead. And that will go an enormous way towards alleviating your anxiety. So that's the two-part chill pill. Doing the body scan, describing the physical sensations of anxiety to yourself to calm your brain down a little bit, and then figuring out what thoughts you're thinking and what you might be able to start shifting them to, or at least getting that perspective on them that they're just thoughts, they're not reality, and their thoughts are what are causing your anxiety. Now, obviously, when I work with clients one-on-one, this is one of the main things we do. We go over individual work stressors, what's happening in the office, and what's causing anxiety, and how to shift your thoughts about it. And the good news is all of you listening have a chance to experience that. Because my podcast is new, I'm asking all of you to write a review on iTunes for me. And if you do write the review, you'll be entered into a weekly raffle for a free half-hour coaching session where we'll get super specific about what's going on in your job and how you're getting stressed out and what thoughts are causing it and what you could practice thinking instead to really alleviate your stress and anxiety. So if you want to enter, you just go to www.thelawyerstresssolution.com. It's the name of the podcast, thelawyerstresssolution.com backslash iTunes. And that page will take you through the whole process of doing a review on iTunes, which is super easy. And then it's just going to ask you for a tiny bit of information so we can identify which review you wrote. And you'll be entered into a weekly raffle and you'll have a chance to do a little work like this with me for free. And there's nothing more fun than that. So point your browser there. I hope to talk to some of you soon. And in the meantime, go forth and lawyer. If this episode really spoke to you, I want you to consider coming to check out The Clutch because that is where I can truly dive in and teach you all of the tools I know to help deal with anxiety, fear, numbing and buffering and more. You will get daily expert coaching on anything you're struggling with, plus a community of women who are going through the exact things that you are facing. And once you've learned how to coach yourself, we have a whole bunch of bonus workbooks to help you with things like managing anxiety and stress at work, learning how to stop numbing out, dealing with dating stress, body image, all the things that can create a lot of anxiety and negative emotion for us. I want you to imagine a life where you don't feel anxious all the time. And when you do feel anxious, it's rare and you know how to handle it. And it's not that big of a deal. That is what my life has become. And I know that it's possible for you too. So I want you to check out unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch, or you can just text your email address to 347-934-8861. And we will send a link right to your phone so that you can get all the info and get started on learning how to get your negative emotions under control so that you can enjoy your life and not have your unmanaged mind running it into the ground. I'll see you there.